That was the click. <laughs> I, f- I feel like we're about to launch into this thing. I feel like this is the intro right now. Hey, we're doing Independence Day, everyone. Oh, well, now that the cat's <laughs> out of the bag. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Post Credits Podcast. That's longtime listener, first time caller, Matt Pepler. <laughs> no, he's the co-host. He's, he's here every week. If you don't know that by now, then I guess this is your first show. Welcome. Yeah. I will say that I went down a, a rabbit hole that I didn't expect to go into, but we can get to that stuff at the end because it doesn't really pertain to the movie, but it's so fucking interesting. Okay. But I, I can guess you might know what we're ta- who we would be talking about by the end of it. I am sure that I don't because Leanne Rhymes and what is what was her name didn't record two competing versions of the Independence Day theme oh. song. <laughs> what was her name? I'm totally blanking now. It's been even though I I did so much research on that thing. Ah, you know that was like 40 episodes ago. Yeah, that's the that's... Conair fucking theme song, the love song, mm-hmm. the ballad, the love ballad. How do I live? Yeah, <laughs> so fascinating. Oh man, I just still think about the clash right at the Academy Awards of Leanne Rhymes instant or singing the song and then it go the award going to the other woman who also sang the song that which wasn't on or was on the soundtrack. It's so fascinating how it all broke down. But yeah. The only way that could have been juicier is if they were like seated next to each other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and then like Eminem's back there, he's like poking, you know, stoking feuds. Stoking yeah. music feuds. Yeah. Man, what a night though. They should have done that. I think if um drama, like how drama is so prevalent in social media between creative people, whoever they are, if it was like that then, I think they purposely would have sat them next to each other, you know, and had Leanne Rhymes walk back to her seat just so she could sit next to the person who was going to win the award for the oh, song that she just performed. Yeah, which allegedly they don't know who's going to win, but if someone was like orchestrating that behind the scenes, like they're just back there twirling their mustache, like <laughs> yeah. get that multicam on them, right, right <laughs> on her. Yeah, right. Yeah, I want to. I want to see the exact moment her heart breaks. Right. <laughs> oh my god. The memes, the gifts would have been great. <laughs> if if such things existed, and what was it, ninety six or seven, whenever yeah. that came out. Uh, 97, I believe, because this one's 96. Independence Day. Oh, my God. Was it 96 or 95? 96, because uh, Independence Day Resurgence, Insurgents, came out 20 years later, and that was 2016. Okay. You know what always confused me was the, I mean, and this is just kind of a, microcosm of weird 90s marketing was how their abbreviation for this was id4 yeah and it's like it it, what is this supposed to be independence day four like right it's this is the first movie in the series i mean i get that independence day is on july 4th 
is right. American tradition and, and our new Independence Day is also yeah. where it transcends that. Now it's a world holiday because the world pulled together and beat aliens. But, right. You know, there is some backstory to that. To ID4. Yeah. Why it's ID4. Enlighten uh, me because I've well, never known. The Independence Day itself uh, wasn't owned by 20th Century Fox by the time the movie was being promoted. It was when it finally got to theatrical release, they had the rights to Independence Day, but not when promotion happened. So all the promotion where you see ID4 mm -hmm. is their workaround. Uh, and then they finally made a deal to get the licensing for Independence Day itself from Warner Brothers for some reason, who owned that term for a movie, Independence Day. I'm not sure how or why Warner Brothers had it uh, or what they were going to do with it, but they had to get the rights. Fox had to get the rights from Warner Brothers to call it Independence Day. That's why it's like ID4 is on every commercial is ID4 Independence Day subtitle. Yeah. Commercial that, that was baked into the logo on the VHS tape, all the toys. Yep. Exactly. Which, I, I say all the toys, but there is really just the one. It was the space alien, and they made it in every yeah. color in the rainbow. Yeah, yeah, they did. I actually found that thing when I moved. I'll have to dig it out. Maybe we can post a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I because I got it from like KB Toys for like ninety nine cents on clearance, like the summer. Did it have the CD ROM in it? I'm sure. That? I'm sure it did, but I threw it away because my I didn't have a computer that had a CD ROM at the time. <laughs> Right. Uh, Who did? Who did? But but the tan one was the hardest one to find because that was the one in the movie. Yeah. You could find the fucking blue one or the purple one. Didn't matter. The pink one, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. This movie was everywhere. I remember so much of the marketing. I, like, went back. I went down, like, a, another rabbit hole of, like, taking myself back to 90, 90, 1996 prior to when this movie was released. I came across the fake uh, newscasters in New York City being like, what's this disturbance in the sky, Greg? <laughs> you mm. know, they did all these like phony news anchor things with like fake TV logos with like with the real actors, like doing like press conferences being like, this is the real thing that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were trying to like <laughs> spin it into what everybody yep. thought happened with War of the Worlds. Yeah. The the British actually did something where they wanted to to promote it over there, and then I, I think it was Dean Devlin, the writer, who has yep. the rights to that now. I mean, he's gone on to do like he's stuck around, even though he kind of split ways from Roland Emmerich. It seems like because um, like that. Oh God, what was that TV show? Every it was like a Mission Impossible kind of heist of the week. Dean Devlin leverage leverage. Yeah. Yeah. About the insurance guy taking the mm -hmm. company down, but that was such a small portion of the actual series. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That was okay. But yeah. So his thing was the, it's like the British wanted to do this thing in as a phony news broadcast to promote the movie. And he's like, okay, but his condition was just don't make it look like the British are the ones that turn the tide. Right. Right. Because that kind of subvert, like, even though it's the whole planet working together, like, Americans figured this out. And <laughs> right. Americans flew the space shuttle in there to plant the virus. 
Right. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was by BBC Radio One. I found that out too, and they did it live, and they wanted to do like the kind of the HG Well or not HG Wells, Orson Wells, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds radio broadcast. They wanted to do it something like that. It, so part of it's it was all live. Wells and good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I didn't get a chance to like try to find that and track it down, but I would love to like hear what that hear what it was. I'm sure it could be found on the internet somewhere. YouTube guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I remember, and this was like a blast from the past, and I forgot, but I actually owned the awful video game on the, the PlayStation. PlayStation one. Yeah, that was absolutely terrible. And it was like you were flying. Like they had these awesome jet fighters. I don't know what they were in the movie. Probably like F-14s or F-15s, whatever was popular in Top Gun at the time or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. F-16s. Um, yeah, but they the 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 plane that you were flying when you had to like go and shoot down like the city destroyers was like some World War II plane with like the turbines on the tail, and it was not like what it was in the movies. And I it, that was kind of a letdown. And I remember thinking like I'm gonna be in the fast jets with the rockets, and I got this mm-hmm. fucking thing. It was a horrible game. The graphics just popped in and out, so like you'd see like invisible lasers coming from the sky and then like two feet in front of you, the alien ship would finally pop in. Oh my God. It was a nightmare. That's That was the greatest <laughs> thing about PlayStation era games and even certain games on Nintendo 64 is being shot by people you can't see. Like the computer <laughs> knows that they're there, but they just kind of disappear into that glaucoma polygon <laughs> fog. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I just remember this movie being absolutely everywhere. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, there's some minor things that I have problems with it now, but I still love this movie. It's still super fun to watch. I think there comes a time where it's like people want to hate something again, and I really find it hard to hate this movie. Like, for example, another one that people really hate right now is Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves which I still find like super enjoyable. Yeah. People like, I just constantly, I see, cause I have like Google alerts for like movie articles. Right. And like last week, I kid you not four articles popped up about Robin hood, Prince of thieves being such a shit show. And I'm like, that's such a fun movie. (laughs) Like, Hmm. what are you talking about? You know? And I feel like it's gotten that way with independence day to a certain extent. And I'm wondering if it's because, like, the sequel was so bad that people are like, yeah, see, it's not as good as what everyone thought back in 96 because this one's shit. So, (laughs) right, which by extension means both of them are shit, even though that's not how that works at all. Right. Wait, so this episode is going to get us canceled like True Lies (laughs) did? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Well, okay. <laughs> well, since uh, this is our last broadcast and we're going off the air, <laughs> then um, yeah, I liked it. I actually haven't watched this movie myself in about twenty-two years or something like that. Because it holy shit, yeah. Like this, you talked about this movie being everywhere like this is the movie that made will smith a household name we were spared the rap theme song which would do very well for men in black but not so well for wild everything else wild wild west wild wild 
Oh man, that's such a 1999 thing. But um, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want none of. <laughs> oh yeah, his rap songs really had to go. You know, that was probably the best thing about that movie too. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. But then it, there was I I can't even remember the the rap song for Men in Black too. Like, oh, Men in Black 2? Oh, no, I don't know. Yeah. I, was, I was just like, yeah. here come the Men in Black. That's the first one. But <laughs> Yeah, but the second one was about like breaking your neck or shaking your head or something like that. I don't I don't remember, mm-hmm. but, you know. I, just yeah, awful, awful. I only saw that once. Awful sounds coming out of stereo speakers at that point. <laughs> just get, get me away from this. I think we watched it together. Men in Black 2? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. I remember nothing was... about that movie. <laughs> No, I was perplexed because I really enjoyed the first one a lot. And then the second one was like, it was one of those times where I was kind of developing my taste in movies, you know? So Uh I was perplexed as to why I didn't like the second one so much and I couldn't put my finger on it, you know? And I haven't watched it since. It's been that long. (laughs) So I've watched the first and the third one more times than I've watched the second one. So the last time you watched the second one was about as long ago as I watched Independence Day. Yeah. Because that's right around when it was brand new. Yeah, it's just, it's nothing against the movie so much as it was, for me, it was crushed under its own popularity. Because I would remember seeing it in the theaters, probably saw it two or three times because your friends were like, oh, hey, we're going to the movies. You want to come? What are you seeing? Independence Day. I saw it. Five times for me. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen anything (laughs) five times in the theater. But I definitely saw Independence Day more than five times on every school bus trip where you go out of state to, you know, your competitions or whatever, uh, your field trips. There were three tapes that were guaranteed to be guaranteed to be on that fucking bus little mermaid beauty and the beast independence day guaranteed mine were a little different mine was this movie independence day speed and emperor's new groove how did you get away with speed that's an r-rated movie they never would have. i don't know we put i don't know my my buddy (laughs) like because you could bring movies and if enough people wanted to see it instead of the stock movies on the bus they'd put it in uh, my buddy tricked him into putting Halloween four the one time. Wow. Well, oh no, no, it gets even better than that because it, for whatever reason, it was queued up at the part where they're hunkered down in the house and all the yeah. murders start happening. And he, he's, uh-huh. he like impales the girl with a shotgun. That was always fucking right. stupid. But anyway, <laughs> so we, we start with that and then we get up to the point where he's on the steps and like crushing the guy's face. And so we made it all of about eight minutes and then they ejected it and probably put Independence Day back in. I want to talk about how big this fucking movie is because it's really hard to comprehend how in your face this movie's marketing was. Like, it really was everywhere. You couldn't go... I remember back in my day, they had the trailer on the radio station, Uh right? So it was just like the 30-second clip, but obviously without the video because you're listening to it on a radio. I remember that playing all the time in between like rock music that I was listening to. 92.1 The Edge for anyone in Lansing listening to or knowing what that is. Is that still around? No, no. It had a resurgence a couple years ago and it was 94.1 The Edge, but you know, Lansing sucks and 
we can't fund things properly, so it went away as well. Yeah. Now it's a country station, because of course. Yeah, that's exactly what happened with the alternative <laughs> station that I listened to in the 90s. They finally went off the air, and they they they, they had the one DJ on there on the new, like the Channel 7 local news, where it's like, I didn't know what was happening. Nobody knew what happening. We were just told that there was going to be a format change, and I found out at 12 o'clock I was fired. And... <laughs> And, Fuck, and now it's a country station, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. That sucks. So we're going to go, we're going to start at number five for most popular movies on their gross for this year. And it actually went up against some pretty notable movies. But the first one, Hunchback of Notre Dame, the animated movie from Disney, dude, that raked in $325 million, which I feel like is a fuck ton of money for an animated movie from 96. Mm-hmm. The Rock is above that, thank God. Uh, that also came out in 96 at 335. Mission Impossible's debut, $457 million. Wow. Twister is above that at $494 million. I feel like for 90, 1996 money, these are all staggering numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Independence Day rolling in at $817 million. <laughs> Like almost double Mission Impossible. I want to say for a long time, this was very close to being like, it wasn't the highest grossing movie, but it was like number two. Yeah. For a long time until like Titanic probably just blew it yeah, out of the I water so. or something like that. Yeah. But that seems like an incredible amount of money. Like, I mean, regardless of what it is, I mean, $800 million is a lot of money now, right? But I feel like back then, that's so incredibly huge. Like, if it had just maybe, like, another week of marketing, it probably could have been, like, a billion-dollar movie, you know, or whatever. Or if it was in theaters for a little bit longer, it could have been a billion-dollar movie. We'll just take that and adjust that for inflation, and you're talking about Avengers Endgame money. Yeah. It just, yeah, exactly. Put that in perspective. Endgame was everywhere. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. The culmination of 10 years of filmmaking. But this is one movie. I don't feel like today people get the same sense of a Batman 89 on Independence Day where we don't care what it is, just put a Spider-Man logo on it. I mean, they do that, but it's not to the level of this because... There was like maybe one movie every five years that was as big a deal as what a Marvel movie is. And we get three or four of those a year now on top of everything else that comes out. Yeah, it feels like it's just normalized now, right? Like Mm -hmm. the spectacle movies are kind of normalized, whereas like. Independence Day seems so memorable because it's so vivid where it just seemed like it was just like a rocket taking off to outer space like i mean just like because well that's what i'm saying you don't have those other movies right to suck up some of the attention and in the news cycle it's like one mega blockbuster goes off and the nuclear explosion of popularity just sucks all the oxygen out of everything else for a whole year and that's that one movie Because, yeah, you're right. Like, I always think of, like, hey, what movie came out in 96? Oh, Independence Day. I never think of Twister as coming out in 96. Mm -hmm. 
or Mission Impossible, even though I have great memories of watching those movies and like being in awe of seeing them at like the first time and how cool they were. But I never associate a year with those movies. Does that make sense? Your list of you know, top five movies. I saw all of those in the theater that year. <laughs> the only one that I haven't seen, except for haven't seen except Hunchback. for Hunchback. Yeah, that's the only yeah. one. Everything else I was like, yes, thank you. I saw Twister twice in the theater as well. That, that was and a, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Twist, Twister was a big movie, but not for marketing purposes, unless you were listening to your rock radio station, in which case they're, <laughs> they were playing that Van Halen song that was in the credits. But Oh, yeah. And the Goo Goo Dolls song. Was Long that, Way Down. Yeah. That was a big one in Twister. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to sing it. I all. think we've sang enough for two podcasts already. Yeah. So as a whole, do you think this movie holds up? I think the special effects are still mesmerizing. Slightly dated in some sequences, but still like, wow, that's so cool. Because I think they really got the scale down of the saucers, right? Where it's believable. Mm -hmm. Like the atmospheric effects when they're coming into the cities, how you see that haziness on the underside of the saucers. Like, that's really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. The ones that I think don't, aren't good today are the ones uh with the fire uh effects coming through the city i don't think they work as well as i remember them being see i still think those are pretty good and most of it is because it wasn't digital even though they had digital tools i don't think the computers were the simulations on the computers weren't quite there to do digital explosions no and they were using digital for compositing but not really to do the effects. So pretty much all the effects are practical. They're just sort of layered in a way that they're using the digital, which is great because you don't see matte lines or density shifts in a way that you do in like the original Empire Strikes Back that nobody ever yes. gets to see again right? during the hot sequence. And you can see through the transparency of the cockpits. Yes. I am. Ha uh, I just want to say the... Uh, on the Star Wars thing. I'm I'm actually, since I'm going back out to do conventions, they sell bootlegs of the D. Lucas versions. Mm -hmm. So it's like all the special effects taken out. I'm yeah. going to buy those. Because I, I think that's the only way I can enjoy the old Star Wars movies now. I just find it so aggravating to see fucking Hayden Christensen at the end of like Return of the Jedi. I'm like, fucking fuck that shit. Yeah. Get that shit out of my face. Well, <laughs> save your money because someone you know might own those and <laughs> can probably get you them through totally legitimate means. Oh, and, okay. And we have already said too much. <laughs> yeah. Back to Independence Day and the explosions. I think the thing that makes the explosions work really well is they were filming the models sideways. So they built the models yeah. and then tilted it like 90 degrees because fire goes up. But it's yep. supposed to look like this wall of fire is moving through the city. And there was just something really cool about that, where just putting the camera back to a normal perspective. Well, when you play the film back, it looks like a normal perspective. Right. And it looks like this impossible fire is happening. And I, that's the thing that I it's one. It's a very simple trick. It's as old as cinema itself. But I thought it was very effective. Um, in particular, for me, what doesn't work is the tunnel sequence where Vivica A. Fox is running towards like that shelter room. That looks pretty, pretty awful. Well, and there's times where 
they don't even have the sky of the tunnel in there. It's like the sky <laughs> of the city. Yeah. And I don't know if they just didn't put it in or they're just like, you know what? You're in a tunnel. It looks better if the sky's on fire. Just for, yeah. you know what? Just forget <laughs> you're in a tunnel. Don't even worry about yeah. that. Yeah. Speaking of that goddamn tunnel sequence, the um, when the dog outruns the nuclear the atom yeah. what do you even call it the neutron explosion there's got to be some yeah. name that doesn't even exist for their uh alien science the dog makes it through the audience in the theater lost their fucking minds <laughs> like yeah, yeah the dog an entire city was just atomized yep I mean, a human tragedy, the likes of which the planet has never seen, the numbers of which your mind can't even comprehend. It was probably like 500,000 9-11s within the span of that flame. And all people cared about was that the fucking dog. Fucking dog. <laughs> God. Which, Homer, the dog. I'm not, you know, crapping on animals. It's not that I don't like animals. It's just, you know, the value of things that people assign in certain moments that it's just really interesting. If it's oversaving a child by shutting a door and a dog has to die, guess what I'm doing? I'm shutting the fucking door. Like, and why is he just, why did the dog just decide to sit down right then? Uh, yeah, and he like cocks his head, like like oh, yeah. what's, what's oh I got what, I got to go now. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, Ooh, it's, like, he's like a chicken in the rainstorm, you know. Yeah, like, hey, Howard, yeah. get your ass over here. Okay, the I love all the detail in all the spacecraft, especially when they're like above the cities or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered, like, obviously they did that in miniature. And now I'm air quoting miniature because everything was just gigantic in this movie. The miniatures were 65 feet wide for the fucking spacecraft. They took yes. four months to build. Yeah, that's Peter Jackson calls that a bigature. <laughs> yeah, 65 feet. Because that's the kind of scale that they were doing on the Lord of the Rings films. Just to put that in perspective, perspective, if you see a seven-story building, that's how how tall these mini miniatures were. <laughs> so wow. uh, that's pretty incredible, you know. No, they they spared no expense, whether it was the models or the sets, like nothing about this movie looks cheap. And I think one of the things that really helps it maintain its its visual fidelity is that movies from the 80s have a very specific look to them. And there was just something about that transition in the 90s where they really started to use light as a character. You know, it wasn't just movie lighting, mm -hmm. not that I'm selling those movies short in the 80s, but there there was a, a shift in the way that they lit things, in a way that they shot things, and it's something that they still do today, and it's so hyper-refined. There was some, like, renaissance going on in Hollywood when they figured that out, and there there is right. a big change in, like, an 80s blockbuster to a 90s blockbuster. And that's yeah, that's on full display here. And that's one of the reasons why I think this ages well. The fashions aren't ridiculously out of date either, which it very no. easily could have been. 
I think if they were like two years before they would, because it's like you know how you have those couple years where it's like a carryover mm-hmm. of like fashion from the previous decade. Yeah. You know, so if you see a movie like right that came out in ninety or ninety one, you're still like, man, this feels like an eighties movie. You know, like because of the fashion is so awful. Goldblum would have been wearing a tie dye shirt and a Rasta hat. (laughs) Right. I will say what is very 90s is the the amount of beaded necklaces that everyone is wearing in this thing. You know, those necklaces that everyone used to wear with those tiny fucking beads. Yeah. That were like, yeah, everyone has them in this movie. Jeff Goldblum's wearing one. Dennis Quaid has multiple on or randy quaid as well as bracelets all of his kids have it they've got those like some of them have those like it's not a conch shell because a conch shell is like super fucking big but what those white nasty shells Mm -hmm. that people used to put the leather from and you just sounded if you wore one you smelled like you were just like shoveling fish guts (laughs) into like god knows what you know like i don't take your word for that never had one of those (laughs) Man, I just, I remember, like... Yeah, I think your high school was trendier than mine, though. Well, there... No, not trendier. More likely douchier. Because we had the multiple collars, you know? We had, like, the people wearing the fucking shark teeth necklaces and the goddamn shell necklaces and bracelets, turquoise galore. Help me (laughs) get my slap bracelet before I go out of this fucking house. (sighs) You know what else is super fucking 90s about this movie is the teletype and and the uh, like the July 3rd fonts like that's going on. I mean, you just look at it and it looks like like you could pull this up in your title designer software. And there's there's probably a preset that's just it's like 90s movie. Right. That's that's (laughs) what that would be right there. It's so interesting because like 90s fonts have like it's they're all immediately recognizable as like this came from the 90s. You know, like if you see the X-Files font, you're like like the deteriorated typewriter one is the one I'm talking about. You're like, "Oh, that's the 90s font." Mm-hmm. You know, another one is um the font they used for Hackers or Jurassic Park, you know, which it's is all like I don't know the names of them, but like the typewriter awful, one like, would have been Curry or something. Yeah, yeah, but like the there's just these they're like the best way I can describe like uh, a 90s font is like proportionately inaccurate, right? So it's either like scrunch scrunch down so the letters are fatter than they are taller. Okay. Right? Yeah. Like they shouldn't be like that. You, your letters should be always kind of a little taller than they are wide, you know. Jurassic Park is like that. You know, Independence Day is definitely like that. Like that off. It, it's awful. I hate this font. I really do. It's coming from a graphic designer. It's just like, because <sighs> what can you do with it? It makes the title so long, right? Suddenly you're like, hey, I got to fit this. This is the problem here. Pro tip. If you have one of these fonts, right? Even though it's just as Independence Day, you don't think of those characters making it that wide. But to make it legible, your goddamn font has to become that much wider so you can actually read what you're looking at. Yeah. You know, like when Independence Day comes up on screen here, it's like it's almost the whole letterbox, you know, because mm-hmm. like we got to We got to make it so people can actually read this fucking thing. 
So well, now it makes a lot of sense why ID four took up the entire top of the VHS box, <laughs> and then Independence Day was a different it's font so written inside the font. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, '90s fonts are awful. Or yeah, all of it. It's just so interesting that there's like even in typography, there's you can define an era, you know. Because even if you go back to like the 70s, right? Yeah. Those fonts are fucking awesome, you know, because they're so like creative in how they're put together. Well, they're kind of bringing that back. And that leads me into my next question. So like, think about Captain America Civil War. When mm -hmm. they when they change locations, the font takes up the whole screen. Like it's not a little mm -hmm. thing on the side. It's It's like it's designed to be, is that like a Futura or something like that? I'd have to double check, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like a sans serif font. Okay. You know, cause like th they've done that in kind of some of the later Marvel movies as a style choice. Mine Hunter did that. Mm -hmm. The video game control, you'd enter a new area and then it'd be like bong and like the gigantic text of wherever you're at would come on the screen. So what are your thoughts on that as a trend? I mean, like, cause we're looking back on this and, and just laughing at it. Do you um, think we're going to get back to that? Like, man, those fucking 20 odd 20s. Yeah, like. I, I think we will. I find that shit super distracting, right? Because like part of the reason why fonts were always gigantic in 90s movies and before was because of low resolution and like awful clarity. On right? VHS. So to, yeah, to make up for that, like you have to have these fonts that are like larger so you can see it more clearly. But now we're like bordering on like 8K or whatever, right? Like we're coming out with like a, a soon a higher resolution than we already have. Well, the interesting thing about that is now you can make things really small. You can make font really small, but still be super legible, right? Because mm -hmm. you have the resolution to do it. So for me as a personal thing, when I see a giant font in the middle of a movie, super distracting. It's almost like a jump scare to me, <laughs> right? Like it has that same type of like, you're, you're watching it and you're like, okay, they're in a different, oh, all right. All right. No, 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 good. No. Here's where we're at. We're over here in case you didn't know. I feel like the movie's yelling at me, you know? I'll, I'll have to add that to the list of your fears I've been compiling as this <laughs> goes on. I'm like, yeah, it scared Matt and probably scares someone else. And just put that in my right. next movie. Right. So I don't know. I think we're going to, I think that type of like, here's the giant location in case you didn't know. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to go by the wayside. You can have it on screen, but you don't need the full screen to do it. Also another annoying thing. And this is for, this isn't font related, but if you are in a dark shot and then your next thing is something bright, I immediately want to punch in the face whoever thought to do that. Because my eyes have gotten settled on looking at something dark, right? Mm -hmm. You're causing me pain, retinal pain, by then suddenly flashing something bright white at me because now my eyes are adjusting. I just want to point that out. It's really rude as a filmmaker to do that to somebody in a theater, in a dark room, whatever it is that they're doing. I've never thought about that, but that is a good technique to exploit if your goal is to emphasize discomfort, I think. 
Sure. You know, and, and that's the kind of thing that like a David Lynch would do because he's always really good at whatever feeling he wants you to be have. Like whether you understand what's going on in the movie or not is almost irrelevant, but whatever feeling he wants you to be experiencing, like he's really good at conveying atmosphere like that. Yeah. And yeah. I, there's very few directors that I put on that level. I, I think Stanley Kubrick's probably another one, but anyway, um, I digress. Oh, another thing that can go away is the typing sound effect when a new location. See, they don't do that anymore. That's that's yeah. a 90s thing, the teletype. Yes. The yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, so, that's a 90s. That, uh, that petered out in the mid-2000s. And yeah. It was starting to be pretty dated back then too so it's that's we don't do that anymore i just imagine someone in the projector right like hey you got a location coming up <laughs> like, yeah why are they why are you giving me sound effects for that someone's typing literally typing on the screen right now so i don't know the only time i've ever used that in a movie was for comedic effect and it's in rustine when i make the castlevania 2 reference what a horrible night to be a curse <laughs> yes but okay. that's because in the video game you have that sound and it just completes the illusion Okay, you can get away with it. It's not an end-all, be-all. But if you're just having typing sounds with no setup, it, it's techy. I mean, that's what they're trying to get across. I think the X Files used to do that as well. I think so too. I mean, speaking of the X Files, bringing that up again. Yeah. Yeah. If if it was a thing in the '90s, it's almost guaranteed that there's a teletype sound effect. Speaking of uh, tech. Uh, Apple was had like a deal to have their products in this movie. So it was like the computer that Jeff Goldblum used to save the world, which mm -hmm. was like a prototype is that never actually released. But because like, and I will say hats off to them for um, using this as a tagline because it was in the movie. The movie was successful. You know, here's this new Mac that never came out. But their slogan moving forward for a while was like Macintosh with the power to save the world. Okay. <laughs> Not as bad That's... as we're bigger than Jesus, but, you know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but that's pretty clever. I enjoy that. Just You want to know something awesome about the soundtrack? This was, like, fucking cool as hell. I love it when there's, like, because there's often, like, really cool music, but then when they go to, like, a next level of tying in, like, a real thing. So there's a drum rhythm at the beginning of the movie when the shadows coming over the moon right of the mothership do you know this no okay so there's like a drum little like it sounds like a military beat you know mm -hmm. on a snare drum it's actually morse code for die see what? that's great because they use morse code later on but then that kind of begs the question of why didn't the aliens know that they were using morse code well, I don't. I don't know if the aliens understood. That they or were in a well, movie. they probably weren't the ones playing the <laughs> snare drums. Yeah, yeah I'm overthinking this ten thousand percent. Yeah, that's really cool to me, though. Like, hey, we're gonna make a beat on Morse code. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really sweet. Like, that's awesome. I love that detail. Also, uh, they had to uh, 20th Century Fox, or not 20th Century Fox, but the makers of the movie. Uh, um, they had to fight with. Uh, 20th Century Fox to blow up the White House. They didn't. They didn't want the White House blown up, which is kind of like an iconic scene. It the was in all the commercials. Didn't. Yeah, Fox did. It's the and movie Roland poster. Emmer 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, that was their whole marketing thing. It was like, we are blowing the fuck out of the White House, right? They didn't want it in because like 11 years earlier, the Oklahoma City bombing happened. I'm just like, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible tragedy mm-hmm. by anti-government extremists, right? But that was like 11 years ago. I don't think that there's like a visual association with like blowing... <laughs> An alien, a 15-mile-wide alien spacecraft blowing up the White House. I don't think people go to Oklahoma City bombing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but that sounds so much like corporate thinking, though, where... It does. I'll I'll give you a great example. You remember the video game Night Trap? Oh, yeah. That was such a scandalous thing. I remember the uproar of, like news pundits then i didn't even know about the game but they were so mad that that game was around and like what you were i'm air quoting able to do in that game it was like christian people arguing the decay of our childhood yeah and i mean you had congressional hearings about it for god's sakes you know yeah and it wasn't even the evangelicals i think a democrat was behind that but yeah uh, you know and like there were two games that they were really picking on night trap and mortal kombat now mortal kombat probably deserved it but and and that's you know the entertainment industry actually has a really great way of kind of noticing like oh man we need to create something in in terms of censorship or like a rating system otherwise the government's going to do it and we don't want that you know so they create the MPAA or the ESRB I digress the reason I bring up Night Trap is because Hasbro was the ones that originally were like they were developing that concept okay and originally the people making the game wanted there to be ninjas coming in to like to the house so it's like okay they got all these weapons like they got throwing stars and stuff like we can do a lot with this they'll be sneaking around then they'll you know jump up with their blow darts or whatever and Hasbro was like, no, 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 kids can throw throwing stars. Don't do that. What if we make them vampires? Like, that was their idea. Okay. So it's like, okay, vampires, we can have them running around and, you know, they'll drain the blood out of these girls and whatnot. No, 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 don't do that because kids can still bite people on the neck. So they developed that, like, collar thing, which had, like, a drill coming out of it, which, I mean, in practice and theory is even worse than any of these things that they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. all they cared about was that it wasn't imitatable. And that's how I tie this back to Independence Day, is that's that's the thing that they should have caught on to, not the image of, hey, we're blowing up the White House. It's the fact that, well, no one can use a fucking laser from um, <laughs> five miles up to blow something <laughs> up, so it's fine. <laughs> blow up whatever right. you want. That's, that's how that should have gone down. That's re- Well... I'm I'm glad to say that Dean Devlin, the writer, was like very smart and realistic because his response was, "Yeah, but space aliens didn't blow up Oklahoma City." <laughs> there mm-hmm. you go. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. People, corporations are crazy, or just you know, the amount of people that are trying to think like, how can we not offend anyone? We don't want to offend anyone, you know. So we got to make this. We got to sanitize this as much as possible. Right. Oh my God, everything got blown up. The Statue of Liberty got blown up. Everything did. Not just the White House. Like the Statue of Liberty, which I think is more iconic for American beliefs than the White House, uh, that was on its side in rubble, you know, but that's okay. Yeah. 
And that was kind of one of the areas where I had beef with the aliens plan, because aside from the White House, most of the things they were blowing up were not targets of any strategic value. No, (laughs) it was just kind of like, you know, that Hollywood thing, like all the X-Men movies do. It's like, what landmark can we destroy in our finale? I know. What did you think about the actual story of this movie? Like in terms of them unfolding? I have no problems. And and uh, I talk about, uh, I, I don't have any problems with this movie. I talk about like the stakes getting raised a lot in movies. I've mentioned that before where it's like, you kind of have to set up the groundwork for like understanding like how awful this is. Right. So it's like, you have like the destruction, you only see the destruction of the American cities, but it's implied that there's about like 30 other spacecraft like this around the world that that's also happening synchronized, right? So Mm -hmm. it's pretty catastrophic what's happening. Not only that, each character has their own stakes that they have to deal with. And you feel like that everyone's just getting out of their situations by the skin of their teeth, you know? And people die as well. So you have the assumption that, like, they're not, some of you aren't going to make it, you know? So... Mm -hmm. I feel like the story uh, does a really good job of making you understand that. So you're kind of emotionally involved with the three main characters. They also do a good job of setting up everyone. You know, I think the weakest one is the president, Bill Pullman's character of the three of uh, him, Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. But yeah. And I think all the characters are pretty well developed as well. Well, And he's the one that loses his wife. Right. Yep. Yeah. I'm just saying like his, speeches and what he says i just it, i feel like that's the weakest part when he's doing his thing on screen you know so well ex- except for that great speech that he gives on yeah. the airfield there for they'll take off that was another thing where the audience just lost their fucking minds too yeah it really is an awesome speech in a movie yeah you know it's great well i had to it's hear that great. with a gigantic sound system where you can feel every bass rattle in your bones yeah, you know, it was it made the hairs on your arms stand up. Yeah, and I also thought like they did a good job of like making the aliens be just insufferable dirtbags, man. Like they're awful, awful things. Yeah, I agree. I I want to come back to that the aliens there, but I, I just wanted to say because I had that written down too, where I thought the world building was like really good for you know a, a two and a half hour movie they kind of set up the the mic these little microcosms of people who would interact and i i think i thought they did a lot of world building and a good job unpacking all of that in the first like 30 minutes so that when shit does start to happen at about 45 ish minutes that's when things kick into gear and for any other movie nowadays that would just feel insufferable it's like why aren't they getting to the Stuff blowing up, you know. Yeah, so why is that where it's okay now to look back at it and, be, and not have that be a criticism? I don't know that it's bad or that it's not okay. It's just that nowadays the tendency is, it, I, I don't know if it's that whole attention economy thing where if we don't grab them by the neck in the first 30 seconds, we're going to lose them, you know? Right. Because like, like with John Wick, you know, like they start with, him falling out of the car covered in blood 
And then it's like they, <laughs> right. they cut back to, you know, three days earlier, 24 hours earlier, whatever. And you didn't you didn't always need to do that. And I just no. I, I feel like that's become kind of an expected part of the narrative where if you don't do that, there's something about I don't know, maybe it's the current mindset of the generation that's coming up and going to see these movies. But I think there is some expectation where it's like it's almost like they're tailoring it not for the theatrical experience where you sat there you bought you bought your ticket so you're going to watch this whole thing chances are i mean most people don't walk yeah. out of movies because you're losing money and it's just stupid unless it's anger management and at that point <laughs> nobody fucking cares but you know that popped up on netflix and i wanted to watch it just because you hated it so much i've never seen it so i wanted to be like oh i, I want to know why he hates it hmm I put myself through misery. I want to experience other people's misery, you know? Well, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> but but that's what I was saying, though. It's almost like they're tailoring these movies for when they get to streaming. So that if the first five minutes don't grab you, people will turn it off and just go into something else. Oh, man. But, but see, I think if you don't have that, like, you're not invested into the characters. And I feel like these characters that you see in the movie, like, are so awesome that you get invested to them. So, like, their triumphs are that much better and their lows are that much lower. I don't you disagree. Like, you're with in the any ride with them, you know? Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. It's just that's my reading on that yeah. thinking is that it's, okay, you know, we're making a big theatrical movie but we got to think about streaming because we want this to be successful when it goes to video. Cause that's the new home video. And if mm. I don't know if Netflix doesn't pay them their two pennies for the one person clicking on the movie, if they only watch, you know, 30 seconds right. and then click on something else, you know, I, I don't know how that works, but to me, that's just what that seems to be. Cause people do feel like entertainment is disposable in a way that we didn't when, when we were growing up. Well, it's so easy to get access to. You know, you we I feel like stopping a movie if you're not interested within 10 minutes is a luxury that you and I did not have growing up, right? Because mm -hmm. it's either like you scrounge together your allowance or you had a job and you get to go see a movie by yourself, right? So there's no way in hell that you're just going to walk out of a movie theater after paying like the $4 in 1990s money, <laughs> you know, to go see a movie, right? You're going to sit through the whole thing. Unless it's anger management, you know? Well, what are you going to do? Like, eat that gallon of popcorn in the lobby? <laughs> like, Right, right. No, you're going to sit there and watch that movie. Or, you know, like, going to the video store. Like, you know, you, you pick out one movie, and it, it better be good, because that's your whole weekend, like, if it isn't. Right, exactly. So you're going to see it through, is what I mean. Yeah. Because, like, you don't have options to be like, you know, this episode sucks. I think I'll go to the 5,000 other options that I have within seconds of my remote control, you know? See, maybe maybe that's okay to do every once in a while because I feel like if I did have that mentality, I probably wouldn't have sat through Sucker Punch. You're right. No, you're right. It's because it uh, Every once in a while, it might be okay to be like, you know what, Brian, <laughs> just turn this off. Just it, it's pat yourself on the head. It's okay, honey. Just go find something else. <laughs> That I have a I have instant regret with Sucker Punch because someone recommended that movie to me. Like, oh, you'll probably like it. I was like, okay. And it ended up being like a four dollar Blu-ray. So it's like more than I could rent. I mean, it's the same price, either I rent it or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So I bought it and I was miserable. So I had instant regret as soon as the credits rolled. 
It's just like, never again. You recommend a movie to me again? Wow. I'm going to say, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> is this a person I know? Uh, no, but I don't want to say who it is. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I'll bleep it out. <laughs> Will you? Yeah, I, I'm writing the time down right now. Told me that it was a good movie and that I would like it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Never again. No, I thought it was garbage. Anyway, so that's enough about shitting on Zack Snyder. It puts me in a bad mental place. But, or Sucker Punch in particular. You know? God. It's awful. Here, I want to talk about one gripe that I had after watching it this time. Even though I've probably seen this movie like 20 times. And it just occurred to me. And it now, I, it's either I didn't notice it or didn't care before. So the aliens are coming in. They're landing. They're, you know, like they're in the atmosphere. They're almost above where they're going to launch their lasers. But, you know, these got, you got these fucking jackasses on the rooftops with the welcoming signs. Mm-hmm. It bothers me that we're so arrogant that an interplanetary fucking civilization comes to Earth and we greet them with English. Right? Like, welcome to Earth. You actually think that, like, English is like a universal literally a universal language it really bothers me that here, here's our welcoming sign and it's in english well what other they're language aliens are they gonna sake. write on their they're signs? not gonna write a language i mean maybe like a bird with a heart around i don't know but to have it in like a written language it's just so stupid to me yeah i mean that's How kind would of you a gr- fallacy in logic although I, I don't know what would separate them from just a bunch of people having a party on a rooftop otherwise well, sure, but it's just, it, it really, I was like, ah, ah, yes. That doesn't make any fucking sense. No. Now, now if they communicated with music. There you go. To like a big organ. <laughs> Close Encounters did it right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> big floating organ, a space organ floating near Devil's Tower. That's also, I mean, it's actually a cool concept, but if you, if you like recite it back, it actually becomes really dumb, like a space organ. Like, here we have this tech. We're going to fly, like, light years to this planet, and we're going to play fucking organ music for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that's just kind of a semantics thing. I mean, you could do that oh, sure. pretty much any concept and just say it yeah. in a way that, like, once you say it out loud in certain yeah. terms, it's, like, pretty pretty, pretty goddamn stupid. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe everything's sucker punch, and we just don't realize it yet. I don't know. I I didn't that didn't pull me out of the movie because especially the fact that those would be some of the first people to die because having just, you know, we're still kind of living through an apocalypse that we, you know, I I feel like we're not ready for space aliens to come together because like we had such a hard time coming together. I'm really happy that you you bring (laughs) this up, man, because I was kind of thinking about the parallels Uh like, you know, with what we have gone through over the past year and a half now. Yeah. Could we handle right. aliens? Mm. No! No, <laughs> not one bit. Not at all. Because we would have fucking committees just discussing whether or not aliens exist, right? When there's a flying saucer above their, above the table. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they could be in a committee meeting, open up the blinds, and there's a 15-mile-long flying saucer above a city. But these jackasses in the committee would be like, do aliens exist? 
that's where I feel like we are at as a society. Yeah. Are they real? That's just a political hoax. <laughs> yeah. You're just, of, that's a, you're just trying to make me look bad. That's just a flight experiment, possibly. You know, I just feel like that's what it, we could not handle uh, 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 an alien invasion because it, 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 and then it would boil down to like something about like, you know, the, the aliens are only going after those libtards or something like that. You know, that's what it would turn into. Yeah. No, I, I think it's fine. I, I just wanted to point out that with people's inability to work together over the past year when we were having an actual crisis. I mean, yeah, like I say, I think it's like we're failing an apocalypse on the easy setting. And then whether it's zombies or aliens, it's just like, well, that's how that spirals out of control. I mean, you like you like to think that we would pull together and shut that shit down. Like as soon as it started, because America <laughs> right. Turn, turns out maybe not. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I even to take it a step one further. I mean, yeah, it's on the easy setting, but I also feel like we had a game genie you know, on this easy setting as well. And we still could get ourselves out of it, you know? Yeah. You'll, you'll start out with, uh, maximum hit points and your, your stupidity gauge completely full. <laughs> right. Right. No, I don't think we'd make out of it at all. I think like, I think if something like this happened, I would travel to Northern Michigan and wait it out and see what happens. Maybe get some sun for like the last few weeks of civilization. You know, because I don't think we, there's no way we'd work it out. We would get past it. Especially with different countries working together. Oh, yeah, that's almost impossible. Yeah, you're in Russia. Hey, the Americans figured this thing out. Yeah, we're going to believe them. You, right. You, you mean our frenemies across the pond? Right. No, here's what would happen. They're like, dude, this would be the Russians talking, right? They're like, dude, America just got their shit wrecked. We should go and attack them now. Like, mm -hmm. that's what, it, they're weak. We have them by their knees. We should help the aliens. Activate those the sleeper alien. cells. <laughs> right, Be putting right. misinformation out there. Go, yeah. Here's what you write on your signs to go stand on a rooftop. <laughs> yeah, make sure it's in English so they understand. Mm -hmm. See, that's how they, I think we just figured it out. That's how that happened. <laughs> it's so stupid. What are your thoughts? Speaking of aliens, what are your thoughts on those, uh, all that video they just released? Oh, uh, like the declass, the, the unexplained. Oh, I think it's real, man. I don't know if they're like ID4 aliens or anything, but I think there's like something to be said about like unidentified flying objects or what do they call now? Like UAEs, UO something. I don't know. They're called something else. Not called UFOs anymore. Yeah, but, I, I don't have a black belt in conspiracy theories. I, I'm not really sure what the proper yeah. terminology is. I just can't believe that, for as much money as we put into these aircraft, that the only video we have are these shitty, highly grainy, <laughs> low resolution. Can't like your cell phone can do better video than that. So like, what's there's definitely that. What's like, the deal, guys? There's that argument, which makes 100%. I mean, it's, yeah, you could easily have that argument. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's not uh, because, an argument. That's just an observation. It, it's just well, like, our, yeah. with, with all the money we're spending on everything and, you know, everything's like live streamed to Facebook constantly and people are taking pictures and selfies with everything. I just can't believe that 
with the crowdsourcing of surveillance technology, I'm waggling my phone into the camera that there's no better pictures of these things than exist. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I think it's interesting that they could only explain like one out of uh, what it was at 134. Yeah. Yeah. It's my personally, I want to believe these things, right? I, I find it to be uh, incredibly depressing that we could be the only civilization out there, right? So to me, just uh, so it's like I already want to have a bias that something like this could be believed, right? But then at the same time, it's like, yeah, but but evidence, right? Like mm -hmm. how how do like what you just said? I I just wish that there was better evidence. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And also, here's the other thing is like all these videos, like people are talking about them, but like we don't know it. I feel like there needs to be more information readily available about how the videos in the first place were made. What's the technology behind the videos and why were they able to focus on it? You know, mm -hmm. and that would maybe convince me. But like, I also have to understand like military shit, dude. I don't want to I don't want to read books to understand like how the military is taking these photo how how they're doing this shit. You know, I, I just I'm not that person. So I don't want to become that guy either. I do not want to become the Randy Quaid of this movie, you know, and figuring shit out. Yeah. Just tell me if they're real or and not. Instead, instead, we have books by, you know, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about because he he's head of the spaceology department at the Correspondence College of Phoenix, Arizona or something like that. The Fry. Sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. I have a doctor in doctorate in space voyagery. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds impressive. Yeah. Bring in the expert. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. I don't know. Yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe this is all just a giant ruse to get people complacent as well. You know, get their eye off the prize looking at something else. That could be it as well. I mean... But here's the crazy thing, right? You start like going back and forth on these fucked up conspiracy theories, and then suddenly you agree that the earth is flat. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road. Oh, that's where I'm at. And I want to believe and I don't want to at the same time. Because mm -hmm. if you want if you say you believe in the stuff, then people are think they lump they automatically lump you into the crazy people. You know? It's true. The fucking glacier. We're in a glacier bowl and the sun rotates around us, not the other way around. And the hollow earth. Oh boy. I... Well, you, you do know a lot of, there's like the glacier is not Antarctica, but it's like a, the cup of a, the, the rim of a bowl. And we're, we're like the cereal in a, in breakfast food. I have not heard this and I can assure you, I do not care. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't either. It's completely but, you know. <laughs> wrong. It is demonstrably, <laughs> laughably false. Yeah. How yeah. do time zones work then in the Flat Earth project? You know, how does that work? If it's all flat, how do time zones work? I don't know. Does that mean the sun to... is flat as well? Or no, no, that's <laughs> that's where it gets really fucked up. We are a flat surface, but everything else is a sphere. It's like the fucking Dark City. You know that movie with the aliens and they like. Wasn't that uh, Alex Proye's follow up to The Crow? Yeah. Yeah. So like the Matrix before the Matrix. 
It's really good. I love it. But yeah, that's flat Earth out mm. in space somewhere. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. I swear to God, flat earthers are just, they should just be put in asylum already. Just get them out of here. They shouldn't be able to talk to anyone that could be convinced of something. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, I don't know. I, once again, I, I got nothing. And uh, it is enjoyable to watch that shit on YouTube, though. This, the, I'm air quoting again because it's great for radio. The science behind flat earth is impressive. I only have a few brain cells rubbing together, but I can automatically tell that what they're saying is bullshit. <laughs> so. Once again, I, I do not know, and I promise you that I do not care. <laughs> like, I don't even care what their reasoning is. It is demonstrably, <laughs> laughably false. Yeah. I went down a rabbit hole on uh, Randy Quaid because, like, I feel like this is like this is life. what we've been building up to this whole time. Yeah, yep. This is all a giant ruse to get to talking about Randy Quaid. He is certifiable, dude. He it is like art imit or life imitating art, like because he's crazy in this movie, but man, is he messed up in real life? Uh, in 2015. He was arrested at the border of Canada and America. He was trying to come back into America and he was seeking asylum in Canada because he was fleeing from these star whackers, right? That kill movie stars. He was evading the star whackers, which is a not, secret not group. Not as dirty of a term as it probably sounds. <laughs> right. It's a secret group intent on killing movie stars. They killed David Carradine and Heath Ledger, by the way. Which is also demonstrably false. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, they were arrested on the northern border. But they were arrested because they had warrants in uh, California for um, grand theft and burglary as well as squatting. <laughs> Apparently, they had this home that they lived in. Uh, Randy Quaid said it was his home. But it wasn't, and he said he's been he had owned the home since the 1990s. However, he had completely destroyed the inside of it. So they were arrested on like vandalism and burglary and all this shit. So he was just squatting in this house that no one was living in. Wow. So a year before he fled, he also made a porno, a sex tape with his wife. Oh, jeez. And she was she had a Rupert Rupert Murdoch mask on for whatever reason. I mean, it's just so crazy. Like, how is this guy like? How did he become this crazy? I think it must be drugs, or and or and or mental illness. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, there's so many instances. It just or, keeps or the going. Drugs going. amplifying the mental illness. Yeah, I think so. But the Star Whackers thing is fucking crazy to me. He uh, he did a documentary on it too, right? And it was basically like him sitting on a stage reciting shakespeare with his penis dangling out this is the documentary about the star whackers yeah yeah while he's being like you know inappropriately just like exposing himself on stage and he was wearing a fur coat that's all he was wearing was a fur coat he was just on stage reciting shakespeare with his fucking dick out <laughs> yeah wow it sounds like he's whacking that's all i guess there <laughs> uh i mean i think it's yeah i think it's heavy drugs heavy drugs but it's just interesting to me like how did someone go down that road you know because it's like it's not like he was not in successful movies you know or people didn't want not 
or people stayed away from him. They definitely started to now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's known for this movie, and like, you know, just off the top of your head, it's like you automatically Christmas go to Christmas vacation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's it's really interesting. He's he's one of those guys I always mix up with Tom Arnold for whatever reason. Yeah, they get I get him. Yeah, I guess I could get him confused because they're both kind of crazy. No, it's not that so much as the the face and the body type. <laughs> I mean, they they look like they could be brothers. I think. Uh, Randy Quaid definitely look definitely looks like a messed up Santa Claus now. Yeah, you can go and find a. He's got this giant beard, completely bald, you know, all gray hair. It's wow, pretty crazy. So yeah, I went down this rabbit hole just because of this movie. I knew he was kind of crazy, but I didn't know the extent, and it just kept going where it was just like I. I have to stop with the last five years of his his life. Yeah, just (laughs) just save that for another time. Oh, my God. Yeah, for real. But anyways, yeah, that's all I got with Independence Day and Randy Quaid. Can you imagine discussing that at, like, Thanksgiving dinner? You know, because it's like Dennis Quaid still got a career. His son is now in The Boys, right? Hey, where's Uncle Randy? It's got to be uh, <laughs> like what's what's that lady from Full House, that Candace Cameron Bure, and talking about uh, you know her whack job brother. Although she's done some bizarre things herself, uh, but Kirk Cameron certainly takes the cake. I mean, as far as like, did you see that fucking movie where our brothers like saying he saved christmas like you know and <laughs> and and that's them saying that so i don't know it's... right right anyways you got anything else you want to add for independence day i mean i still love this movie oh the other thing i don't like is harry connick jr his one-liners kind of get under my skin was he goldblum's father no harry connick jr was um the uh other pilot the close friend of Will Smith. Oh, yeah, but you knew he was going to die. Like, they were forcing yeah. that relationship so hard where it's like, they're bros, and they're broing out, and <laughs> yeah. they're going to be bros in aircraft, bro. <laughs> yeah. Bye, bro. Yeah. See you in the next life, bro. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. Oh, you know me. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> they, they, tried, they tried to do the whole Maverick Goose thing in about 12 minutes instead of a whole movie. Yeah, that's why that's why it's so obnoxious. I agree. Well, anyways, if you can give us a like and a follow on our social media at Post Credits Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, we'd appreciate it. As well as a um, five star review on any podcast listening platform. That would be great. Also, one more thing that I want to add now that you're at the end of the episode that you probably won't hear it. I'm heading out on the road. Finally, again, it's crazy. Where's that at? At the end of this month, I'll be at Motor City Nightmares. And then in November, I will be at Fan Expo Columbus and Days of the Dead Chicago. Oh, three of them then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I should say at the end of this month, meaning July. So (laughs) So Motor City Nightmares, that's in Novi in Michigan for people that don't know. Uh, Where you said one's in Chicago. Where's the other one? Columbus. Fan Expo Columbus and then uh, Days of the Dead Chicago. Cool. So yeah, it's exciting. I've been busting my ass with that. So many, so much printing going on. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm not gonna go into that. Uh, Just a lot of work. And it's been a long road to get back to that point. Now that these things are starting to happen again. So, well, I forgot how much goes into it. 
you know, it's like a cumulative thing, right? The more you do, it's like the less you have to worry about. But that first one, after like a hiatus, you're like, oh, yeah, I got to get business cards. Oh, yeah, I got to make sure my display is okay. You know, all this stuff. It goes on and on. So it's a lot of work behind the scenes. And I forgot about that. I will also be attending Motor City Nightmares, but as a guest, not as uh, an exhibitor. <laughs> I'll definitely drop by and say hello to you. And uh, if anyone out there is listening and catches us there or catches Matt at any of these other shows, make sure you let them know. Yeah, it'd be awesome. But Well, until next time. All right. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next show.